for our time today, as Jay uh, has shared, I would like to talk with you on this topic of looking for God, looking for God. And you know, when I first learned of this current uh, sermon series, Enough Already, I thought, you know, if there was ever a phrase that so rightly captures where we are as a people in this current moment, it would be just that. Because you see, since March 11th, 2020, we have been working to establish a new sense of normalcy and are still seeking to do so as we approach day 746 of living in a pandemic. Enough already. Yet again is the humanitarian crisis of a nation exacerbated by war as Russia continues to occupy Ukraine. Enough already. This past week, we have watched as the first black woman nominated to sit on the United States Supreme Court has had to endure baseless accusations against her competency and her character. Enough already. And while all of this is taking place in the world around us, I would imagine that there are some of you who are in this room and some of you who are watching online who understand the essence of this phrase in a more personal level. Perhaps it is the grief of losing a loved one, one after another, that has overtaken you and you are not sure if you can bear the weight of losing someone else enough already. Maybe you have to, to wake up, to force yourself to get dressed and to show up for a job that does not value what you bring to the table enough already. Or perhaps you are just simply at your wit's end and mentally you cannot fathom putting another thing on your plate enough already. I imagine that if David, the main character in this morning's pericope, sought out to express a similar sentiment, he would say it in this way. In the book of Psalm the 13th chapter. I imagine that he would say, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to mine eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death and mine enemies will say that I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. You know, it's striking that David wrote this. David, who was first introduced to us in the biblical narrative as a young shepherd boy tending to his father's sheep. David, who went to check on his brothers as the Israelites were at war with the Philistines. And and David, who was so sure of the Lord's covering over him that he volunteered to confront a giant that no other soldier would confront. David, who stood toe-to-toe with Goliath with nothing but a slingshot, a rock, and the covering of God, and one. It's, it's striking to me that, that David, who, who was once the young shepherd boy in uh, 1 Samuel slaying giants with his mighty faith, is now the man that we see in Psalm 13 who was questioning God's presence. I imagine that if if David were here to share with us his journey, he'd share with us the sobering reality that even God's best experience darkness. I imagine that he would testify to the fact that that even though one may be accustomed to experiencing the fortifying presence of God, there are still times when one will search for God and God's voice will be silent. Has anyone experienced the silence of God? Perhaps the prayers that you now pray don't seem to be as effective as they once were. The Bible passages that you have committed to memory no longer seem to come alive for you. The songs that once ushered you into the holies of holies, uh, they no longer do what they were supposed to do, which is quite inconvenient because if there was ever a time that you needed to experience the power and the presence of God, it would be now. What do you do when in the midst of test and trial, God is silent? David knew knew all too well what it meant to live in the space of enough already. He had been on the spiritual mountaintop to only find himself in the valley. And here in the 13th Psalm, through David's vulnerability, we see several realities of what it means to look for God even during seasons of feeling spiritually distant. Can we all be honest with ourselves on this morning that, that even as Christians, there are seasons that we go through where we feel spiritually distant, where God feels as though God is not as close as God used to be, where we continue to do the spiritual practices and we continue to pray and read the text. We continue to sing the songs, but something is not right in my spirit. It happens to all of us along the journey, and and David provides for us several realities. Um, 
Like a good Baptist preacher, I have three points. The first one, I'm United Methodist, you all. That was a joke, that was a joke. The first reality is that in your journey of looking for God, God's silence may cause cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, it is the state of having inconsistent thoughts or beliefs or attitudes. It's when you know one thing, but you feel another, right? Your, your faith, for example, tells you that, that God is omnipresent, but your empty prayer life would suggest otherwise, your theology tells you that God is omnipotent, but the plight of our current human condition would suggest otherwise. Your interpretation of the text tells you that, that God sees all, but the overwhelming number of people experiencing homelessness in the city of Atlanta alone would suggest that God has deemed them invisible. The preacher has said that God hears all, but the deafening cries of the black mother mourning the senseless killing of her child would suggest that God has turned a mute ear. In the Bible, they, in, in, in Bible study, they told you that, that God is all-knowing, but, but the overwhelming statistics of sexual assault, domestic violence, and the normalization of gender-based violence that largely goes unreported in this country would only lead to one question. God, do you even care? I'm talking about cognitive dissonance. Perhaps there have been times when you've questioned the presence of God throughout the duration of your life. I bet that there have been times when your struggle has overpowered your spirit. The struggle of showing up in spaces that do not affirm your identity. The struggle of always having to be the strong one in the family. The struggle of trying to figure out where your next meal is coming from or where you'll lay your head at night. The struggle of holding on to what little courage you have to follow through with something that so many people have told you would fail. King David, King David knew struggle. The struggle of bearing pain in his soul. The, the struggle of having sorrow in his heart, the, the struggle of having his enemies be exalted over him. And if you live in struggle long enough, perhaps the indifference that you are feeling is actually cognitive dissonance. And can I tell you that that's okay? It's okay to feel as though you are distant from God. It's okay to question God. It is okay to be angry at God because I promise you God can handle it. One, one of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount. And there's a verse that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Friends, no matter how distant we may feel from God, God in God's infinite goodness is never too far to pull us back in. But for the grace of God and looking for God, the first reality is that King David is experiencing a moment of, of cognitive dissonance. And the second reality is that in his vulnerability, David displays a moment of connecting with God that I believe we often neglect. Instead of turning to boisterous praise, David resorts to lament. Here in Psalm 13, it is embedded within an anthology of the book of Psalms, which, which is a collection of hymns composed at various times throughout ancient Israel. And much like the songs we sing today, the Psalms reveal the relationship between God and God's people. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 8. You all know the text, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Or Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Or Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Or one last one, Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, but amidst praise and celebration lies Psalm 13, a cry of lament. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? I love that David is vulnerable in this manner because it is an affront to our embedded theology that fails to leave space for lament as a spiritual practice. We often inherit spiritual lives and practices where shouts of adoration and praise are the only form of worship. To be sure, this mechanism of praise, this sort of un undignified praise is needed and serves its purpose well. There's nothing like a worship service where the praises go up and the blessings come down. There's nothing like tarrying in the spirit. But oh, it's important to be attentive to the moments and the times where you view that type of praise as your only mechanism of worship. You've been through some things that have rocked you to your core, but praise is what you do. And so you suppress the rage that burns inside. 
Loved ones have died. Relationships have ended. Jobs were lost, but, but praise is what you do. Feelings were hurt. Violations were made. Trauma was endured. But praise is what you do. Family, I've come to let you know that praise is good, but so is lament. And if there was ever a time to explore lament as a spiritual practice, it would be this time during the season of Lent. We, we begin this Lenten journey with the, the imposition of ashes, in which we are all reminded from dust we have come, and to dust we shall return. And if we are to, to imitate the flow of this order in allowing even our polished lives to be broken down to dust, perhaps we might make space for lament. If we were to forego for a moment the polished praise to which we are accustomed and simply fall apart, perhaps we might experience a more intimate fellowship with God. My prayer for you today is that you break up with this notion that you can only experience the delivering and sustaining power of God when you lift up polished praises. Yes, praise is good, but sometimes you have to look for God in the brokenness of lament. God is not a God that will only show up in your praise. No, God is a God that will sit with you in your darkest night. God will stand in the gap for you when you can't fill it yourself. Yes, God inhabits the praises of God's people, but, but God also inhabits the moments when, when we don't have it all together and, and when we don't know what to say, when, when we go to speak to God in prayer, but cohesive sentences escape our mind. And maybe you are like me when, when you don't know what to say, so you just pull up YouTube or open a hymnal and and you look for a song that will, will fortify your spirit. And soon after, you find a song that, that just won't let you go. And instead of praying the prayer that you had hoped to pray, you begin to sing, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, please don't pass me by. You begin to say, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in, in all. Perhaps you begin to sing, guide me thou, O great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. David opens this passage by modeling for us what it means to, to look for God through lament. But towards the end of the chapter, there is an interesting shift that, that takes place. Towards the end of David's journey, he resolves in verse 5, you can check for yourself, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I thought, hmm, David, that's rather peculiar of you. 
did you go from lament in verse 1 to rejoicing just four verses down in verse 5? Nothing seems to have changed in your physical environment, and, and you don't speak of hearing God's voice in your search. So, David, how, how were you able to gain this type of assurance even before you experienced deliverance? How, David, did you manage to release yourself from the space of enough already to the space of more than enough? And you know, it wasn't until this week that I realized, my God, David, you are brilliant. I was watching the Senate confirmation hearing of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson and of her many brilliant responses, there was one, Ashe, <laughs> excellence, there was one that had me shook. As, as Senator Neely Kennedy began to question Judge Jackson, the senator asked, Judge, how, how will we know that you will be the Supreme Court justice that we need you to be? How will we know that you will uphold your duty in the future? To which Judge Jackson responded, <laughs> she said, Senator, check my record. And as, <laughs> as she began to, to recall her many qualifications, I began to think that perhaps, oh, maybe this was David's approach, uh, because David trusted in God before he could check the record and be assured that he could trust God in the future. Even in the midst of struggle, if, if David were to only look back and check the record, he would be assured of peace even now. Can I tell you that there is someone who is sitting in struggle and, and sitting in turmoil and, and sitting in distress, and you've been looking for God solely to ask, God, how will I know that you will act on my behalf. Well, God told me to tell you, check God's record. I promise it's undefeated. Check God's record and recall to mind how, how God has shown up for you over and over and over again. Check God's record and you will see that God has made a way out of no way. Check God's record and you will see that God has healed your body and steadied your mind. Check God's record and you will see that God has protected you from, from dangers seen and unseen. Check God's record and you will see that God has ordered your steps. Check God's record and you will see that God has prepared a ram in the bush. And if there is one thing that I know about the God that I serve, it is that God is faithful. It is that God is consistent. And the same God who delivered you out of the wilderness before. That same God, the very same God, is who will deliver you in the days to come. 
Check the record and you will see those moments that you, you didn't even know that God was standing in the gap for you, that had it not been but for the grace of God, you would not be here today. Check God's record and you will see that moments when you could not pray for yourself, there were others who God called on your behalf. There were grandmothers who God called on your behalf. And there were aunties who God called on your behalf to pray and intervene for you. Check. Check the record. And I dare you that even in the midst of the storm, Though your physical environment has not changed, I dare you to seek God and be assured that God will move. What does it look like to look for God amidst test and trial? It looks like cognitive dissonance amidst God's Silence, it's difficult, but it is a reality. It looks like releasing the need to give these, these polished praises all of the time and giving yourself space to lament. It looks like assuring yourself of God's continued presence and provision by checking God's record and trusting that your God will show up on your behalf again and again and again and again. And may you do so in the name of God, the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer. Amen.